0: Hey, everybody. Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have Mike Romandi. Am I saying that right? Romandi, all right. And he is a local musician, among other things. Uh, uh, A a bandmate of his, Dmitry Stojanovic, who's previously been on... uh, we talked a lot about him during our show. And if you've been in my studio, you know that I have a huge, uh, rage against the machine battle Los Angeles mural that I got from Keith Olray over at Microgrieve. And it turns out that this was originally Mike Ramondi's that somehow made its way through Keith's store and, and, and now to the studio. So thank you so much for making the drive over. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Are you a, are you a Florida guy originally? Actually, New York, uh, born in, Ray,
1: well, born in Hawaii, but then I, Fucking hey to- B- Hawaii, then New yeah. York. That's pretty <laughs> rad. Yeah, so my dad was State Department. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, so basically he was stationed in Hawaii at the time. That's when I was born. How and old of a guy are you? I'm
0: 40. 40, so, so what, 2021, so 81. So State Department in Reagan's mm-hmm. presidency. That's yep. pretty interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on in that regard during uh, oh, yeah. that, that presidency. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So, and then went to New York. Mm-hmm. Whereabouts in New York? I'm from Long Island. It's called Northport. It's okay. about an hour outside of the city. So, it's just you know, a quick train ride into Manhattan and whatnot. So, how how, how old were you in, in Hawaii? How old were you in New York during so your stays there? I was born and lived there till four. And then I moved to New York around four. Have and, you been back to Hawaii? Um, yes. I went okay. actually when I... It was my senior trip. Went over there uh, for just hanging out vacation. I went three years ago,
0: and, you know, Hawaii's kind of, like, considered some not a hack trick, but but it's, like, a hack trip, but everybody's like, okay, Hawaii, and so I went there, it's like, this is just going to be very kind of whatever, and it exceeded, it was the most beautiful, I I loved it, we went to Kauai, and we went to Maui, and it was just so amazing, and literally, like, ever since then, to my wife, I was like, if we ever move anywhere, that's where I want to go, because just gorgeous and you there's a different frequency there the people are on a different wavelength there as as not a naturalist as i am i almost felt like this weird kind of connection with all of it i know that's very kind of whatever to say but i mean it it was it, it filled filled me up with some kind of energy that you don't get stateside and as much as it's You know, a state, it's not the U.S. It's something else entirely. So, I I really dug it. Definitely, we went with my daughter when she was about three going on four. My son just turned three. I'd like in the next two years to bring him there because Mm. she just, she took to it. So, you know, she was swimming in the Mullikini Crater and we rode to Hana. We did all that stuff. It was badass. Yeah. So, then
1: how long did you stay in Long Island? Uh, I was there till about, um, I was 21. So, formative
0: years. years. Mm -hmm. I was growing up in New York.
1: Amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously from a music standpoint, you know, being around Manhattan, I mean, just every band came through. So I never really had to, I, I had to pick and choose. Which shows. Right. right. You, you almost couldn't know.
0: do it all. There's yeah. too much to choose from.
1: Exactly. So,
0: um, now were you like a New York kid Were you, you know, going to clubs and doing all the shit or were you, you suburbs and just kind of came in as needed
1: or what? How was that? Both. Mix yeah. Both really. I, you know, I would go into the city with my buds and we would just Hit up, like, the record shops and go buy, at that time, buying, like, bootleg CDs, right. that kind of stuff. Did uh, you go to any of the saying. shows
0: at, like, CBGB or, or any of those types of, or was that pretty much dying down by that point?
1: So, the bummer for me is, actually, I never went to CBs. I, I wanted to. I mean, that was obviously on the list. Um, But, unfortunately, for whatever reason, just never got to that venue. I mean, I went to Tons of venues, Roseland. Was
0: Max's Kansas City already shut down by the time you were seeing music, or
1: that one doesn't sound familiar to me? So yeah, I'm I'm assuming CB's
0: and Max's are kind of the historically two competing Mm -hmm. places that you'd play.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, I always CB's had. I think by the time I started visiting New York, it had already turned into like they just were selling shirts and shit there. Yeah, but there was a there was I don't know. If you're there's a there's a great brunch place uh, like a block away from there. OK. But then Caddy Corner, there's a store and it had every metal shirt. No demand. Like the most random fucking weird like Japanese death metal bands. You could find their T-shirts there. So every yeah. time I went to New York, I'd make a point of going to that store and buying that stuff. That's awesome. So uh Ramondi's Italian. Yep. Uh, do you know what part of Italy is it? Calabria.
1: Actually, I went back oh, in 2015. Wow. I still have family there. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it was an amazing trip. I mean, southern Italy, it's kind of by the toe of the boot right across from um, Sicily. Yeah, I think I think that's where Tony Soprano's family in the show was
0: supposed And now I know that because <laughs> I never watched Sopranos when it aired and I'm watching it right now. Yeah. And there's just an episode like in season one or two where Tony goes to meet with like the the – the mirror of his family here, and I think it was Calabria. It could have been. I, I've watched that show.
1: I love that yeah, show, yeah. but uh, I can't remember exactly where he was from. But uh, it's such a classic. I mean, I've watched it like three times through. Again. I'm enjoying it. It's yeah. it's it
0: hasn't aged well from a like music and fashion and all that perspective, but yeah. still, it's it's still you know Christopher's, you know, Paulie, all these people are oh, yeah. pretty pretty badass. My wife's family are they're from Sicily, so I get the ear. You yeah. know, the, the Italy talk all the time.
1: Yeah. Um, now, uh, only child siblings? So, I have a couple half siblings. Okay. So, basically, I was an only child growing up. Um they or older I'm, or younger? So, I have older. I have an interesting family scenario. <laughs> okay. So, I have an older brother who's 48, and uh, I have a younger brother who's 10. Okay. So, wow. So... Yeah, my dad's been remarried um, a few times. Gotcha. And so, yeah, I've got a little, little brother, which... This is awesome. I'm a big hockey fan and uh Who are your teams? Well it's the Bolts and the Rangers, but okay. you know, I've I've kind of switched over to the, the Bolts because um, some of my favorite players got traded from the Rangers and naturally I, I live here. I right. don't to see the Rangers play as much and I love to go to games. So
0: Am I confusing the Rays and the Bolt I, I know the Rays got like Snell or whatever, but didn't the Bolts just get rid of like a big player from they made some big trades or there's
1: something i vaguely recall am i misremembering so as far as big players i mean gord has gone i okay i would i would have liked to have have kept him around but uh because he reminded me a lot of one of my favorite players callahan who Uh recently retired um and it would have been would have been nice to have him around because he's got a lot of grit on the ice kind of thing
0: yeah yeah my it's funny my wife is kind of the jock of the family so Mm -hmm. she like is avid with the bolts and so I and she's friends with uh was it McDonough, Ryan McDonough? Yeah. Kind I hung of friendly. Out with him a couple times. Friendly. Well, not with him. With the they, she and his wife do uh like eye stroll together, or nice. something like that. But uh so she's I I kind of through osmosis, am a, a Bolts fan through her. That's cool. Um, where did music enter your life? Was it something that was in the house growing up? Is it
1: something that just through your friends? How did how did that kind of find its way in? So I'd say it was like '85, pretty distinct. My uncle had this dream of opening up a record shop. Oh wow, and so he opened his record shop up in eighty six r p m sound it's in huntington, New York, and um you know from that moment on, kinda he was a real influence on me musically, and it's it's kind of funny, I was really into dance music like uh, Mars, uh, that pump up the volume song. Sure, yeah. I had that on, you know, a little seven inch played on my little Fisher price. Sure. And, uh, I had raw
0: bass and public end. You know, that was,
1: yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> for sure. So that's, that's where I got my start. It was like dance music, that kind of stuff, well, especially
0: New York. That was such yeah. a big part of living up there. I mean, you couldn't totally. live up there and not have that part of your daily fiber, you know, fabric oh, for sure. For what sure. was his, did he have like a certain type of music that he loved or was he just kind
1: of loved everything? And that's, so dance was was huge, sure, and he was the biggest Madonna fan you could. I'm, 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 I love Madonna too, yeah. Same here, man. Yes. I have much respect for her. So you know, as a result of growing up with him, you know, he was a like I said, huge influence, and had some great stories of like dancing with her in clubs and stuff in New York, and. But again, yeah. at that same time, you got like
0: the Beastie Boys, you got the cro Mags, you got Agnostic Front, you got, yeah. you know, a Bad Brains making visits over there. You know, there's a whole New York hardcore scene that's going on right around that time, too. Totally. And then you have, you know, like the new wave post-rock, you know, talking head, you know, all that kind of stuff that's mm-hmm. so ubiquitous in, in New York and known for that area. So such a, a great crossroads of all these amazing types of types of music. Totally. Um, so he opened that place up, and
1: how close was that to the you? Like, did you hang out there after school every day or like summers? I spent a lot there. I actually started working there when I was in middle school. And oh, really? Yeah. That was like the best experience. Like I, would, me, I can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, that was the, the dream job. At if that I ever age, hit, you know? if
0: I ever hit the lottery, I'm going to go work with Keith <laughs> or go work with, you know, you know,
1: Rob over in St. Pete or whatever. Totally, just, man. It's a blast. I mean, you just get to meet all the good music people. You just talk there. it all day. Yeah, exactly. I don't
0: tell you, you know, Elliot just started here two weeks ago and, mm. and like, He can barely get shit done because all day long, I'm like, (laughs) you know, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. He's a big vinyl person. Nice. So um, anyway, um, do you remember working there and being around there? Like kind of what popped up on your radar as far
1: as bands or or albums or anything like that? It was kind of big or big in your life. So for me then, it was all about the Chili Peppers and Nirvana. I was a big – like that changed my life. When I turned 11 and Nevermind came out and so did Blood Sugar Sex Magic. It was. Those are pivotal moments. Blood of my Sugar life. is one of my
0: top five. Oh, totally. Time. Yeah.
1: John Prishtante is one of my favorite guitar players. Well, not
0: one hundred percent agree with you. And I was just having this conversation with uh am drawing a blank who I was just talking to last week, but. The end of, uh, Sir Psycho Sexy, that guitar Mm -hmm. part at the end. That's like my favorite guitar part ever. Like I've tried to, yeah, yeah, just the circular kind of whatever. But the thing about that album for me, I got into him, uh, the album just before that, Mm -hmm. um, Mother's Milk, but. With blood sugars, they were, I think they were at the peak of their drug use for one, but like they've, they held up in like a haunted house. And I think Rick Rubin produced it and they were all just kind of zenning out and kind of getting off on this different plane. And so that song, that album for me just kind of, you know, they've had a lot of great albums, but that one transcended for me as kind of like, you know, I'm not a drug user, but you hear people talk about, you know, Psychedelics and these other things kind of putting them just in this other pathway. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where they kind of really, you know, were at the peak of their power. So that album for me. And then, of course, Nirvana. I mean, yeah. you can't argue that album, but, uh, so, so that's, so that's what 89, 90 kind of. So for
1: me, it was 91. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, just changed my life. I, uh, you know, prior to that, I was really listening to still dance music, like yeah. CNC Music Factory. I was, I was big into break dancing. Like I learned that from my uncle and stuff like that. Now, if I try and get on the floor, it's, it's yeah, kind so of bad. Traction, like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty rough. So, uh, I don't, I don't do that anymore, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. When did you pick up an instrument? So it was about that same time. Um, uh, was it bass
0: to begin with or did you matriculate actually, to bass?
1: Yeah. I actually started uh, on guitar first and then um basically i just you know i was learning power chords it was funny i mean my teacher was awesome so yeah. I, you know i think everyone says that like your first teacher was probably one of the best guitarists you knew yeah you know? right and so he was amazing this guy steve and i remember um you know him trying to teach me theory and stuff like that and me being a blockhead kid i was just kind of like oh, just teach me the power chords man how do i play this song you know right. this nirvana song which were Fortunately, pretty easy considering if you knew how to play, you could figure it out. So, right. um, you know, I just, you know, plucking away on that. And then eventually, this is, you know, years later, I realized there was bigger need for bass players. You know, guitarists were a dime a dozen. I say
0: it all the time. Drummers yeah. and bass players <laughs> are are the utility players of the music world.
1: You know, you can yeah. always find a job because everybody needs you. Exactly. So, I figured, you know what? I, I really enjoy bass. And that was, you know, I think, that was another thing for me as far as with rock music blood sugar sex magic really is when i started to discern guitar and bass yeah before it it all just kind of sounded like one wavelength oh you for know? sure and then that record really kind of taught me well this is, I, I can hear the bass i hear the difference between you know Well, flea the
0: they're gonna put that up front they're not gonna hide that in the back but, exactly yeah so yeah. that
1: really influenced me to you know kind of pick up the bass i didn't I was never a slap guy. You know, that wasn't my thing. That's a, that's
0: a, that's a, that was, that had its moment, you know, with Les Mm -hmm. Claypool and, and, uh, you know, uh, Flea of course. And some of the other, like, I think, I think suicidal tendencies at least at the time there was kind of that type of playing, but I don't know in, in, in music of the last 10, 20 years, I can't think of a lot of people who play like that in the rock world, obviously in funk and R and B, there's more of that type of thing, but yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of had its minute Not nothing against it. It's amazing. I mean, I love Flea and I love Les Claypool, but it's not, it's not the norm per se. Who are some of your other bass guys? Did you kind of start following them more closely
1: as you got into it? I did. And my next big hero is John Entwistle of the Who. Uh, Oh, for sure. You know, he just revolutionized the instrument in my opinion. And as much as he's a huge influence on me. I'll never be at that level. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, I just want to play and have a good time. Uh, but what he's done with the bass guitar is just mind-blowing to me.
0: How did you find transitioning from guitar to bass? Was it was it just I mean
1: Um it You kinda already had the tools you needed, or was it a was it doing a whole different thing for you or had the tools I needed, especially growing up on, you know, stuff like Nirvana yeah. and then, you know, gravitating towards punk, you right. know, understanding power chords and then understanding how, you know, that translate, top four strings of a bass are the top four or sh- the top four strings of a guitar. So it was pretty easy to kind of transition. It was just a matter of understanding following the kick drum a little bit, just to kind of, you know, which was a little bit different from guitar. Um, but I was able to transition pretty well. So did you
0: ever get into Mike Watt or Lemmy or any of those guys? Of course. Mike love, Watt's love like Mike my, Watt. my favorite, you know, and not yeah. only as a bass player, but he's kind of like this weird kind of like Mark Twain musician guy that kind of lives in his own world again i always like totally. these kind of misfit people who never have fully like assimilated into the world they kind of yep. are on their own speed um yeah but i can relate so uh well so as far as when you're joining bands when does that start
1: happening so unfortunately i was a late bloomer as far as that happened it was actually college in where'd you go so i started in connecticut university of hartford okay. and then i realized what the fuck am i doing here in this cold weather still like get me out of here right. so uh, my brother at the time, he had just moved to Tallahassee. This is the older brother. Yeah. My older yeah. brother, he just moved to Tallahassee and, uh, he was like, Hey, you know, if you're done with being up North, come down here, man. It's great. You know? And so I, I gave it a whirl, even though Tallahassee is very different from New York, Connecticut, you know, it's, it's a, you know, total different spot, but, uh, you know, I just needed a change at that point. And I was 21 at the time and I decided to transfer to Florida state university and, that was a pivotal moment in my life because that's when I did fir- first join my you know, band.
0: Well, there's such a strong, you know, I've I've toyed with this, and and again, I I I don't, as you'll tell me what bands you've been in, I don't, yeah, you know, I don't know your full history, but mm-hmm. there's been such a strong punk and hardcore scene up in the Panhandle, Gainesville, you know, mm-hmm. area, and you know, there's they've got that fest show and Against Me and Hot Water Music and. You know, there's just this whole kind of North Florida scene. Now, I, I, I what my question to you is, is did that translate to Tallahassee from Gainesville? Because I know Gainesville is very much a,
1: a center of that sort of thing. Was it similar in Tallahassee? 100%. Um, but I would say around the time that I was in my first band, was called The Avenue, um, with a bunch of good buddies of mine, one of which, uh, Brian Steele, who actually um, was in the Tampa scene as well. And I, was, I later joined a band with him again here called Macrame Owls, which was very short-lived. But, um, so in Tallahassee, it was, it was very much the scene emo, if you will. You know, I know. What years what year ish are we looking? So it's like 2002 to like
0: 2003. So emo new metal scene is, is what's your, what's on the radio or what's the. Uh, yeah. Totally. Yeah.
1: And so we had this band and we had some, um, we had some great shows. I mean, we opened for fallout boy on their first tour. Oh, wow. It's kind of unique, you know? Yeah. That was when actually I, I enjoyed Fall Out Boy. I'm not a real fan of much of their newer stuff. I don't know what they've
0: done in the past yeah. however many years. But yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean they were big, they were a big band.
1: Exactly. But I always joke. I mean, my friends and I, we owned a, a t-shirt company. Oh really. Uh, it's called Divvy's and we sponsored bands. We had a a connect. Our the owner was Jordan from Newfound Glory's cousin. Okay. So he would um get us, you know, tons of band uh, connections and whatnot. And um so, one of them was Fall Out Boy, actually, because they hit us up, the company. They actually were like, hey, here's our demo. They gave us the th- first three songs off their first record that hadn't been released yet. And they said, we'd love to be sponsored by you guys, which I think is awesome. Because you think of that band, you look at how big they got. You think, were they just a fucking machine band that, like, they were assembled by a r- record label? Right. And they weren't, you know? They really did start from, from down in the same level as my bands did back then, you know? So...
0: Well, you know, it's funny because I and, and I'd be interested in your opinion on this. Some people, mm-hmm. there's kind of a fork in the road that I perceive with bands where they decide whether they're going to be commercial darlings or not. Totally. And, you know, and so some people kind of make a hard right, and every song is a pop song, no matter what mm-hmm. instruments, what the thing is. And other people sometimes almost seem to be intentionally trying to not have fans. And it's the bands that can kind of modulate between those two that I always find interesting that like don't hate their fans, but have the integrity and, and aren't always trying to like you know, like me, like me, like me. So it's, exactly. it's a weird thing. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, pop, pop music, you go back to the Beatles and you mentioned playing, you know, bass for Nirvana or guitar for Nirvana and same with Ramones and some of these other bands. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it's like three chords and a smile. Like it's just this, you know, exactly. there is a thing that just appeals to people and you can, you can kind of push that button a bunch and yeah. kind of, you know, I'm not saying it's quite that easy, but you yeah. know, it's interesting. So, so, uh, the first band was Macrame
1: Owls. So, the first band was The Avenue. Okay. And then I later, then I- with the same lead singer from that band, uh, we formed Macrame Mayals here in Tampa. And that was like 2012, 2013.
0: What kind of music was A- Avenue? What kind of music was Macrame Mayals?
1: So, Macrame Mayals, you know, it was that scene, emo, even though emo, you know, was described very differently from the 90s, you know. But in the yeah. early 2000s, that's kind of what people said emo was. But, I, you know, I don't think that necessarily defined that genre. But right. Um, you know, so we were kind of more emo, and then the macromyal stuff is a little more indie. Um, it's hard to put a, a label on that influences. Really. Anybody that I would, um, I mean, it, it's funny. I think my lead singer would probably differ on mine, yeah. What I would, he thought, what she thought, yeah. But I would say, like, you know, death cab type, sure, sure, yeah, that kind of, yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff.
0: And how long did that band go on for? That was
1: about three years, okay, um, roughly. No albums for that band. Uh, We have a couple EPs. Do you? Are those on streaming anywhere? They were on Spotify, have since been... Uh, taken down? Really? Uh, yeah. Like, well, I you know it wasn't me that put it up them up there. it Was my you know the lead singer of the band sure. decided to throw them up, and then I guess decided he didn't want to pay for it anymore. So yeah. you got to pay to keep it up there. So yeah, for Spotify. Yeah, if, especially if you're not really making money. Interesting. That, yeah.
0: Interesting. So. You have to let me know about that because yeah. I've become a big uh, proponent here locally of getting people's bands. Yeah. I, I had this running debate on Spotify that if 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 you if your band makes over X, it's a horrible business model. If your band makes under X, it's a great business model because mm. what I found is the easiest way to share local music is with Spotify. I mean, Bandcamp really is harder to navigate, and then you can do the YouTube thing, but it's always just clunky. Like you, you gotta have your phone, unless you know how to do it on YouTube to listen to it. And it's exactly so Spotify is just always so uh, you know, my buddy Greg, who's in Wolf Face, uh, his his first band next season from Clearwater. Mm. Um, we just put all their got all their stuff up there and then elliot's first band escape as we put it up there so i'm always searching for local bands who have stuff who don't have it on spotify to get it on there so i'll discuss that later anyway
1: so macrame and then and then where'd you go from there so there was actually a lot of bands in between the avenue and macrame um and one of the ones you brought up actually is a good transition was you're comparing tally to gainesville and i i joined like a kind of like a crust punk band uh called in the wake of this was about 2003 roughly okay. and um we actually opened for against me and um another band called smoker fire who were previously called jericho another really good hardcore band um and that that band Man, that that changed my life too, because that that kind of against me type vibe um, was something that was new to me at that point. Yeah, and you know, I just started really focusing on kind of hardcore hardcore punk, like that kind of vibe. Right. Um. At that point, um.
0: What about live music? Like during that period, what are some of the shows that stand out to you, either that you went to or that you played in, or.
1: I always like to collect people's like best shows, you know. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda jump all around because I've got That's I mean, fine. I've been to a million and shows as far as timeline's concerned. I usually do first and best,
0: but I don't want to yeah. limit it to first and best because sometimes there's other ones that are worth talking about that totally.
1: I get yeah. Uh, I'll go with first though, just to tell you. sure it was such an experience for me was uh, the chili peppers with Silver Chair and the Rentals, which three very that was different- my
0: college years. I yeah. remember all three of those being on MTV daily.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I mean three very different bands, three, you know, it was really cool to see the Rentals because I mean they didn't really play that often. Was that the guy that was in Weezer? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was interesting. I mean, they didn't tour that much either, yeah. you know, so yeah. it was kind of cool. And they actually just released a record that's in my opinion pretty good. I, I really enjoyed that. Well, it's record. funny
0: because when that guy left is when Weezer started to kind of suck wind too a yeah. little bit. So I don't know how much <laughs> yeah. of Weezer's uh, you know, legitimacy yeah. was based on his involvement because Totally At a fair. certain point, they kind of went off in a weird direction. But uh, anyway, so that's yeah. – where was that? Was that up in New York? Or? Yeah, that
1: was in New York. And actually, if you ever read Anthony Kiedis' bio, he actually talks about that show because it was in February of 90, um, 90, 96, I think. Was that Californication? No, that was, no, by the way. It was it, No, no, no. It was actually Navarro's years. So, 96. 96. I'm thinking yeah, 2006. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking
0: 2006. Okay.
1: So he actually wrote about that because it was a there was a huge blizzard and I never I'll I'll never forget this because the show was actually already delayed it was supposed to be in 1995 and then their drummer broke his arm in a motorcycle accident and I was already pissed it was supposed to be my first show you know and I'm yeah like, god damn I'm gonna not Is that stop.
0: Chad Smith yeah. yeah yeah
1: and so I was bummed that you know that wasn't gonna happen and then and then the snowstorm hits it's in February in New York and they still the show was still on so I I convinced my mom I'm like mom I'm going to this freaking show yeah know? I'm sorry I'm not gonna not hit, hit the show. And he ended up writing about that in his book. Cause I'm sure it was, I had that book
0: in my office and nice. he, that's one of like 10 music biographies that I'm halfway through. Yeah. What you're describing is my story with tool and Metallica. Like okay. I've literally held tickets to like three different shows with both of them at yeah. Tom Petty as well. And And all three of them, for whatever reason I had to like give my tickets away or I couldn't make it or it got canceled or yeah. whatever. I mean, there was a lot last year, 2020 there was, Tool, Guns and Roses, the Stones yeah. were all supposed to come to Tampa and all those fucking got canceled pretty,
1: pretty gnarly. I had the GNR tickets too, man. I was bummed that that got, got canceled. I'd never seen them. So.
0: I saw them in Orlando like yeah. during this newest incarnation. And if you can suspend your originalist. Yeah. Desires and just kind of enjoy what you're watching. Yeah, totally. It was pretty rad. And not to mention one of my favorite bands growing up too, the cult opened for him. Oh, nice. And I love the cult, man. I, Sonic Temple was one of my, my favorite albums and yeah. then Electric and all that other stuff. But um love that band. Anyway, um, okay, so that
1: was first. Yeah. So then some of my favorite shows I've seen uh I got to see John Pratshete play a solo show which was his pretty his solo good. music is fucking the shit I, I love it. Completely agree man. I'm a big vinyl collector so I'm slowly collecting his stuff. Really? It's so expensive though so Ooh, trying to you I, know I don't have any of that but I would I would <laughs> definitely be down for that. Yeah, it's 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 great. And to see him was really cool cuz you know he never really played any full tours like he would go to New York, LA, the big markets and was this before to- or after he Got really bad with heroin. So this was a one. So this was after he'd already been in the Chili Peppers again, and then he was good to go. And then he wrote that first record to record Only Water in 10 days, which I think is just a great record as well. They're all great. They're all
0: great. I mean, for me, the best – the best part of the Chili Peppers is for Shandy. You know, most of the music, like if, if I were to pick my 10 favorite songs, mm-hmm. they'd be ones that he's singing. You can hear him singing backup on a lot. And then usually he's got a pretty badass, you know, solo on there. I mean, not to take anything away from Navarro or... Josh, whatever the hell, Klingenhofer or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know, for me, unless it's him, it's not the, the, the real full I deal. I agree. I mean, I dig it all. I mean, I, I didn't mind the last two albums. Yeah. They're, 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 they're fine, but yeah,
1: it's Freshanti chili peppers where it's at. So where did you see yeah. him? So that was at the Angel Orenson's Songs foundation in New York. It was like an old church. Um, like a small capacity type deal. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. This is back in the, when I got, tried to get those tickets. Um, unfortunately, I mean, they sold out like that. It was like that scenario. It wasn't online. You had to go you had to literally know wait somebody, in yeah, line. Yeah. yeah, and so unfortunately, I didn't get them. But then I hit up my uncle, who was still in the record biz at that point. Um, he was his store was about to go under because of obviously at that point, two thousand one, that was Napster, the height of it, all that stuff. Um, so I hit him up I'm like, hey, you know, can you maybe call your Warner rep and see if you can get me in the show? And he was like, yeah, no problem, got me in the show. Which I was fortunate because I mean, literally, I, I remember staring. I was in the balcony area for the show, and yeah. Was, you know, General Mission, and I'm looking down. I'm like they did not sell any tickets for this show. Like, I feel like it's like halfway full. I can't right. believe it. And I'm like, so why did it sell out so fast? Obviously he only, I don't know. Something was up. He didn't want that many people there or whatever it was. Well, he's a,
0: know. he's a different guy. Like, yeah. like mm-hmm. I don't think he does it for money or fame. Mm-hmm. He does it cause he's got a, a, an itch he needs to scratch. And totally. so now he's in this electronic music deal. And yeah. I think he just put out a new single or album or something. Yeah. And I, I picked that up too. Uh, it's,
1: it's unique. What's but it? I, it's not
0: backspacer. It's, what's a square pusher or something
1: like this. he's got the his other moniker yeah. um uh, i'm blanking on it but it i think it was trick finger actually was something like, like that yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um so
0: was that just him by himself or did he have anybody with him yeah it was just literally he was the only person that played and that was enough for me. You know, it was, it was awesome to see that. Was it transcendent? Like, oh, I, yeah. I, you know, there's these people that it almost becomes a religious experience watching them play yeah. live. Like, yep. I had tickets to go see, um, Suffjan Stevens in Orlando. Nice. I didn't get to see it, but every time I watch him, it, you know, oh, yeah. it almost seems like you're looking through the looking glass into some other world. And then, you know, obviously like Elliot Smith, uh, I saw, I saw iron and wine at Tampa theater. He was pretty great. But, uh, the one that was most that way, you can just throw them wherever we got, there's a can behind you, by the way. Um, if you want to toss it out, um, we're, we're imbibing here in the studio. Don't worry, but just Um, set it on the (laughs) table. That's fine. Um, so uh, the the one the one that was most that way for me is I saw a Neutral Milk Hotel over oh, nice. over at Ruth Eckert Hall and mm-hmm. they played uh, in the airplane over the sea. They played it front to back, That's Just play that, and I mean they're breaking out fucking like bandsaws and like washboards and you know I've always been somewhat having aversion to the Mumford and like the the fake folk kind of fake Americana like yeah you know, type of deal. But I, they were 10 years or so before all those bands. And, but seeing that, like, we were all looking at you like, what the fuck's going on here? Like yeah. it was eerie. So very cool. Any other big, big ticket bands that you saw? Uh The other one was Not uh, bands, but shows that
1: register yeah. on your uh Jane's addiction. was oh, Really? One of the, my favorite shows I ever went to. I mean, it was 1997, right when they had reunited, but unfortunately Eric Avery wasn't part of it. Who yeah. was another very influential bass player uh for me. Um but Flea stepped in. So I was I was I was accepting. You know, it was oh, kind of cool badass, to see yeah. him play, you know, with Janes and whatnot. And it was the night before Halloween. I mean, I distinctly remember that. I mean I was, you know, I was a little too young to be drinking whiskey, but I decided to hit the bottle that night and it was it was well worth it. You got the right drink. potion. You got the right <laughs> mix of
0: alcohol in your system and experience. Oh
1: yeah. It was it was a great time man. And i I just remember some fun stories from that that show. Um I was in the pit. And just going crazy, obviously. And my shoe was kicked off of my foot. And I was like, oh shit. You know? I was yeah, like, I'm never getting that back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm gonna be walking, you know, to the train, you know, with, with one shoe on. That's all right. I guess I'll do it, you know. Yeah. And then after the song was over, someone was literally waving my my shoe in the crowd. Oh, and you got it back. Like, ah, yeah. I was like, this is amazing. I was, I was like, at that point on, I was like, oh, this is a good crowd, you know? <laughs> I want to start a segment called
0: Pit Stories. I went to mm. – when I, I saw Slayer and their farewell tour at the, uh, the amphitheater and mm. – they uh There's a guy in a wheelchair, and the crowd put the guy in his wheelchair up over the crowd, and we're passing him around the wheelchair. I thought Amazing. that was pretty bad. Yeah. My favorite pit story, though, is Dave Decker up in mm-hmm. Gainesville at Fugazi. Yeah. Have you heard the story? I haven't heard it. There's but- a video on YouTube of it. He gets bashed in the face, and it's just pouring blood, and Joe Lally from Fugazi gives him his shirt. <sighs> and Dave sops up the blood on his face with Joe Lally's shirt. And after the show, as he's leaving, Joe Lally comes up to him and says, you know, we're on tour. And I didn't bring a lot of clothes. Do you mind if yeah. I get that shirt back? <laughs> and so Dave's like, sure. And gave him back his shirt just drenched in his blood. And that's I was amazing. like, that's that's rad on. So, but literally, there's a video of it where you can kind of see part of that go down. So, yeah. I and, and then just to go see Fugazi. Did you ever see Fugazi? No. I've got I, a few friends who've seen him. And that's, that's like my bucket list that I'll never be able to fulfill yeah. unless they decide to get back together. Exactly. Uh anyway, so let's let's go from let's go from the earlier bands to how we start making in more of your present incarnations. Obviously you were nice enough to bring an Empire cinema uh pressing in today. <laughs> yeah. Was that kind of the next big band after the
1: Um uh let's see. So time What are you in was- right now? So right now I'm, I'm in High Beam, okay. but I mean we're on indefinite hiatus sure. until things kind of clear up. Okay, so, you know you're not in the
0: Fast Talkers too. With no, okay, no. so you're High Beam. Okay, yep. And then was that what came right after
1: Empire Cinema? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So when did Empire Cinema start? So Empire Cinema started. Oof, it was well, well before I was in the band. Okay. Um, I I want to say I'm. I'm Brendan's going to kick my ass. Probably like 2010, 11, something sure. in that range. Um, And then I ended up joining the band. I think it was 13, 14, somewhere in that, you know. How'd you uh, get tapped for that? Was that something you sought out or something they asked you about? Or So, um it was actually – I was a fan because we actually played some shows with Mac Owls. That was the time when I was in Macramé Owls and we played some shows together and I enjoyed the music. And we ended up just hanging out, Brendan and I, every once in a while. And then I remember just – Chilling out with him And I was actually Starting to play keyboard going oh, really I was gonna, Yeah see if we were Going to maybe have me Jump in on keyboard That never worked And then their bassist Ended up saying She was going to leave So at that point Brendan was like Hey man You want to play bass And I was like Yeah why not So I jumped S- in on that
0: So were you Are you on any of the albums Since you came on so for Empire,
1: I'm on that record, okay. and uh, that's the only thing we recorded. You know, while I was in the band, it was that was a long time coming. That record we recorded over here at Atomic with. Uh, okay, yeah, with Frank. Did you write any of it? So that record, I mean, I wrote some of my bass lines, but yeah. some of it was actually, you know, from the previous bass Sketches players that kind of started. Yeah, and I just kind of jumped on top of that. Um, so the, the thing with writing for me didn't really come until a little bit later when I joined High Beam when I decided – I had left Empire and I decided, you know what? I want to play guitar again. It's been freaking years. I I'd never been a guitarist in a band. Sure. So I said, let's – I'm just going to start writing some songs. And I started writing my own stuff. And that became high beam.
0: So start. So writing. Where do you start at? Do you start with lyrics? Do you start with the, the guitar? Do you start? How how is it that you're kind of do you start with the harmonies or the words or how does that go? Definitely
1: not the words. I can't sing for shit. So uh, you know, you're for not me, Michael Anthony or yeah. <laughs> no. So for me, it was all about just I just a lot of times just doodle noodle around yeah. trying to figure out some something lick wise, and then if that comes into a song. Cool. Aside from Frishanti, who are some yeah. of your guitar guys? Um, guitar guys that's a that's a good question um, as lame as this sounds like he's like really like my as far as guitar I have a ton of bass you, you, you want to talk bass player? I do want to talk bass yeah. but my so yeah. I have
0: my two main ones that I love yeah. are Josh Homme and John Frusciante yeah okay. Tommy's um, got this very kind of, and I heard him explain it best as a cabaret style that he plays. Mm-hmm. Like he, his, his solos and his chord progressions and everything always just have this very kind of dark, yeah. old timey cabaret mm-hmm. feel to them. You know, yeah, the Queens of the that. Stone Age have this very, well, their last album, they got a little bit more dancy with Mark Ronson doing this stuff. But before that, there's always this very kind of dark, sinister. Oh. Take on it, so totally. I, I love that. And then you know, we're we're homie's kind of the devil, Krishanti's kind of the angel to me. You know, they kind yeah. of on both sides of it. Um, so you mentioned some other. You mentioned at whistle. We
1: talked flea. We talked mm-hmm. who else base wise. I mean, Lally, you brought up earlier yeah. was a huge influence on me. And the cool thing is, my wife gave me one of the best Father's Day gifts this past year. Um, he started hitting people up, and actually Keith early early told me about this. He was like, hey you know, check it out. Joe's giving lessons. lessons. Yes. Yeah. Via um Skype, whatever, you know? And I was like, oh, nice. So told my wife. And then, so that's what she got me. Did for- you do it already? Oh yeah, I did it. um I think it was like June or whatever it was. Yeah. That's, and it was, it was a blast. How was it? How was he? Oh, he's, as nice as you can imagine i mean similar to the story that you told you know giving his shirt so this, you know dave could wipe the blood off his face you know but they're like the mount rushmore of a certain
0: type of music like they almost don't seem of this world although ian mckay can't not be in a documentary anymore (laughs) but the rest of them like uh is it is it guy or guy like Mm -hmm. he's been kind of popping up a little bit more i've heard him on some podcasts there's that that rag that keith uh has at the front door at yeah. micro groove and he's in the, mm-hmm. in that. But, uh, and then obviously we like, uh, what was, what's the, what there's a couple different bands that they've, he oh, yeah. just, just has a, koriki uh, And yeah, then what's them, the man. other one? The instrumental one. Um, Oh, meth, mess meth, aesthetics or yeah, something like meth, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're kind of, you know, I, and I was hoping, especially with like this last four years, politically speaking, I was like, God, if there's ever a time for a Fugazi reunion tour, totally. it would be now, but yeah, that's so not what they would do ever. So no, I guess it's exactly. just kind of, we can just dream. Yeah. The way it was, it's <laughs> funny that, that your story about July, I, there's, I have pick up these little stories. Um, so my buddy, Greg from Wolfface, his mm-hmm. wife, uh, tried to get him studio time with Steve Albini. And he oh, was like, wow. he was like, it's probably better if that doesn't happen. Cause I love Steve <laughs> Albini and you don't hear good stories about yeah. him working on records. And exactly. then, uh, another buddy of mine got, uh, Who's the lead singer for the whole? Are you like the whole Steady at all? I'm not a huge fan. You're familiar with them. I'm familiar with the band. Yeah. A, a friend of mine's wife got him something with them, and then my nice. the, the best for me, the best story of this is for I think it was I think it was my birthday in 2019. My wife actually reached out to Bruce Springsteen's uh, manager <laughs> to see nice. if he would come on the show. And I was like. Maybe he would never <laughs> like. But what was great is they they had like an email com not not Springsteen his person, but like yeah. they responded to her in a timely fashion and repeatedly. Yeah, and I was like, that's almost better than him coming on because I would have just shit shit myself and like <laughs> would have just done the worst interview ever. But I was like, the fact that you got. His manager to email with you several times was just that in and of itself. I think was bad. I want to like totally. frame those emails. I, that's so. <laughs> that's I, I love when wives kind of you know step up and they do, yeah. they 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 they're not they don't know enough to be nervous about what they're asking to do. Like they'll yeah. kind of go the extra mile. But totally. So when did you get married?
1: Uh, it was two thousand seventeen. Okay, you have kids. Yeah, I have one little baby girl, oh, Yeah. How old she, is she? She's one and a half. Little girls are the fi- man. They're the fi- my my. I
0: have two. Yeah. My daughter Stella will be uh seven next month. But nice. that that was such a that thing ca- that caught me so off guard. Like I'm not one of these guys who like needed a son. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. new dads they want a son because they want to play football. New house bullshit. I really didn't yeah. care. Same here. Yeah. Um, but when we had my daughter, man, it was just like you know the the the, the peak of your love for your wife or whatever for this little girl and it's different, but it's, it's, it's weird. It's this weird thing. And and now she's like, now I get, I always joke. I get nagging in stereo. Like (laughs) both of them are on my ass about everything. And now I got my son who's, you know, it's like, we're picking sides, but I I had, I, you know, having a little girl really changed me. I I think I was a progressive guy beforehand. I was not a chauvinist. I was very kind of aware of that stuff, but as much as I was aware of it, even more so once I had a little girl, yeah. Was that your experience? Oh, 100%. How did it change your uh, your life as far as music? Um, You know, not getting to practice as much, not getting to play as much, not getting to – was that – No, your sp- it
1: actually wasn't a thing because my wife's awesome. I mean, she literally – That is awesome. I was yeah, going to ask you about that. She literally gave me my time. You know, we have, um, you know, the baby's up until 8, eight, eight o'clock at night, you know. So, after 8 o'clock, I mean, if we're not doing anything, you know, she's – open to giving me my own time. So, you know, that's when I would have practices typically, you know, is, is when the to asleep. Yeah. So, it was still able to make it work. She understood how important it was, a part of my life. So, Scott Miller was who I was blanking on a minute ago. He's mm-hmm. who came in
0: last week. Do you know Scott? Uh, I'm not familiar enough. So, he's uh, the drummer in the Holy Terror. He's oh, in okay. this band, Rototiller. He's in uh, this band, Genghis Flan. Like, he's nice. – there's this whole seminal height scene of a little mm-hmm. bit older musicians who – are like this consortium and they're all in like 20 bands with each other. But yes. the, the, the history of awesome wives supporting it's usually yeah. wives just because that's what who's yeah. I'm sure there's a awesome husband crew as well, but um, you know, that's, that's so huge. Like that, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, and what Scott was saying and maybe you'll agree is they know what not, you not having that outlet would look like, and exactly. so it is a, a mutual benefit to kind of let you scratch that itch. And totally. You know. it. So, tell me about Highbeam a little bit. Um, what was the what was the inspiration there? What was was there a was there an idea in mind when when that was started as far as type of music, type of
1: sound? So I go back to my my you know where I started, 1980, and at the time I didn't know how influential that time period would be on who I am today musically. Um, I'd say some of my favorite bands were to come out of that time, Joy Division, you know, um, you name it. I mean, some of the, the RAM post punk. I'm a big fan of early okay. REM, yeah. early U2, yeah. you know. Um, but I really I've it's it's really crazy. Since I joined Empire Cinema and then left and then joined High Beam, during that transition, I really just started to really dig deep and find some really old school bands from that time that were really into the post-punk stuff. Cause
0: hit me up. I, this is
1: part, yeah. part of my
0: Trojan horse deal here yeah. is I get to learn about shit from people. So
1: so what I'll do, <laughs> I'm blanking on names. Of them. I'm a okay. with names. But the cool thing is, I message Spotify. me later when they all hit you. They'll hit you on the ride home, and then you just message. Totally. Yeah. And but I've got Spotify, and I've got playlists with with stuff all over the place, so I can send you some stuff. Um, but so that really, it started because I started listening to this band there um, uh, called Shame from the UK. Okay. And uh, that post punk vibe that they had, it was a newer version. Um, you know, Gang of Four very sure, style, yeah. that that was kind of what they were going for. But a little bit – it had a little more of a unique new sound to it. Um, But, you know, the purists will say they just ripped off, you know, Gang of Four or whatever. But uh, that really influenced me a lot in what I was writing when I heard that, their new album. And uh, so then, like I said, that started the rabbit hole. I just went down and just started going back to the old post-punk stuff. Um, another big influence. And fortunately, High Beam got to play with them was uh, the Chameleons. And oh, wow. It was – chameleon's vox i guess is sure. the adaptation it's just the same yeah. and uh the rest of the band is you know
0: paid i just space. there was just an article recently on gang of four and how much mm-hmm. they influenced like the chili peppers and how much mm-hmm. they influenced uh or, or were kind of similar sound that angular guitar like uh minute and totally. you know there's kind of tracked the, the the lineage of that type of sound mm-hmm. um, from from them to present and it's true it is kind yeah. of it's it's its own thing yeah, yeah. you know it angular guitar i can't think of a better way to
1: no that's it that's it. It. spot on I so uh
0: and how did you put the band together were you did you have people in mind or was it just whoever was available or um i was hanging out
1: with um the bass player for number bands jared mm-hmm. um and then also the keyboard player um ariel um cortez yeah um, he was actually, you know, wanting to start a new band and whatnot, and get back to playing keys because he had also jumped from keys to keyboard and I'm sorry, not keys to keyboard, <laughs> keys to bass. Yeah, and uh, so then he was wanting to get back and play some ba- uh, keys again. So, you know, we were just jamming the three of us, and then you know, then we involved Dimitri, who yeah, because uh, we obviously who I love, yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. I, he's, he's a, drummer, a stud, and, man. Yeah. So we, we jumped we jumped on that, and then um, we were just playing as a four-piece at that point, point yeah. um, and then eventually we got another bass player, uh, which was – the ironic part, too, that we talk about all the time is we're a band of, full of bass players other than Dimitri you know, Ariel's a bass player. I'm a bass player. Jared's a bass player. And Ed is a bass player. But so, I think that's
0: badass because yeah. I think your instrument, you know, affects how you listen to music affects mm-hmm. you know, like I was talking with Scott Miller last week, you know, yeah. he's a drummer originally. And so yeah. he's, that's, that's what he's hearing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's funny cause you know, bass is kind of the last instrument that people understand in, in my, like, I think if I asked my wife – what, and not my wife, but that's a bad example. But if you ask most people on the street, very few of them know what that is or what that does. It's even funny. If, if you ever watch yeah. the uh, the uh, documentary, We Jam with, with uh, Mike Watt, he talks about mm-hmm. how when they started the Minutemen, um, they just thought the bass was a guitar with four strings. Yeah. And you hear Flea tell a story about they didn't know that you actually tuned a guitar to a set – series of notes they thought mm-hmm. it was just like some people like to play loose strings some people like to play <laughs> tight strings and yeah. so it's like I like my strings loose and that's yeah. how they did it. I always think that's a funny story yeah. but <laughs> but uh you know I don't think people realize what the bass is and then yeah. and then from there like the importance of bass and kind of the different things that it can do and coming up as a Metallica kid you know and Justice for All was always a, a big bass discussion even mm-hmm. to this day is still the bass because effectively when Cliff Burton died, another bass hero, uh oh, at least yeah. for me. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when he passed, that was the first album that he recorded on. And and I don't know if they wrote the parts so that they just went right along with the guitar or when they mixed it, they just didn't even put it on the mix, but yeah. you can barely hear it. But yeah. now when you're listening to music, I always find more more interesting when the bass is doing something Different, you totally. know, it's not just fall. It's not just holding down the, the, you know, the low exactly. notes. And so, you know, I, I got really into bands like Dillinger, Skate Plan and Converge and a lot of these kind of whatever you want to call them, like mm-hmm. newer hardcore or math rock or whatever, where I mean, it's almost like every member is playing a different song at once. And yeah. so I always think that's pretty rad when you can almost listen to a song four times and listen to each part of it. Yeah on its own. And it's just, I wish, I wish like Spotify and some of these other things made it so that you could turn down, Vocals or turn down guitar <laughs> or turn down drums and just Makes listen to that on one own. part. Yeah. I would, I would do that all day long if you yeah. could do that. Yeah. I mean, it would really help with learning how to play these songs, but oh, yeah, anyway. Sure. So, High Beam, uh, mm-hmm. how do they have out what's, what's the situation with albums, recordings, EPs, LPs,
1: that sort of thing? So, we recorded at um the studio with actually the bass player from Wolfface, Face, uh, Dan over Rock Garden, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we recorded our first EP, he's awesome there. too. I love him. Oh, that. such a good dude, yeah. And Easy to work with. And I love the vibe of his studio Um, because it reminded is me this actually – Is this the new one or the old one? Is this the one he's currently got or is this the – So, this was about two years ago? That's probably the new so one. The new then. one, yeah. Okay. So, I just like the vibe because it reminded me actually of – um I recorded at the same studio that Against Me recorded at uh-huh. with my po- – uh you know my punk band back in early 2000s and he had the same system where you would just put your amps into like a kind of a closet right and you'd all be obviously headphoned up and you know but you were playing live still sure and so you got that energy and that's definitely the energy that he created within our recording and so of the guy that recorded my other band in the wake of was that other that band okay uh, and so i just dug that vibe immediately i remember i kind of and you're yeah. a Pinellas guy, right? You're over that. You no, actually, I live uh, downtown, like right oh, really? downtown. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tampa. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, I got the chance to go over to Rock Garden and watch when uh, face, they were doing a promo for this Liquid Death water. Okay. So I got to watch them playing nice. there, and, and you know he he's been on the show too, and yeah. He built that studio like every mm-hmm. friggin' inch of it. And mm-hmm. one of my, uh, bands that I've just always been a big fan of is Mastodon and, yeah. uh, Troy, the lead singer and bass player for Mastodon. He lives out in, like Indian Rocks Beach. Oh, nice. And he records. He's, he's like, he's on all these different, in all these different bands now. And, uh, but he like does a lot of his vocal stuff with, with Dan over there. That's great. So yeah. it's badass. Um, now, did you do a vinyl pressing of, of any
1: of those? So they're I all wish. streaming. Yeah. They're all streaming. Uh, you know, actually, <laughs> funnily enough, as I was coming over here, I was texting, a buddy of mine I know who um, just pressed one of his records from an old band um, just for himself and maybe a couple of yeah. friends, you know, kind of thing. And, I, and I'm thinking I might want to do that with High Beam,
0: I wish there say. was a way. So, you know, I know that you're friends with Keith, too, yeah. uh, over at Microgrid. And, I, and there's, there's bands, there's people that are, they come in, you know. I've talked to him. I was like, God, I'd love to have you have an album come out, and I'd go to yeah. Keith, and I was like, What's the cheapest way? I could? he's like, There is no cheapest way exist. to do it. Yeah, you're gonna pay five thousand exactly. dollars for however many records. You're gonna sell three of them, and then yep. you're gonna have boxes of the rest in the back that you're never gonna be able to get rid of. Yeah, that's why you have some of those records. Right well, there. but I, I'll <laughs> but I'll take it. I mean, I've I've gotten really. He's get, got that bin over to the side with yeah. all the local bands, man. I've got pretty much all of those in there. I'm nice. trying to get the. I don't know if you're familiar with Yashira from up in Jacksonville.
1: Uh, Little bit.
0: They yeah. just put it on an album this year and Elliot will tell you it's fucking insane. Huh. It's such it's one of the best albums of 2020. Okay.
1: So I should check it out. You y- Yashira,
0: Yashira, yeah. Know. Um anyway. Um where was I going with that? Local bands pressing, vinyl. Oh, high BM- yeah, vinyl. Yeah. I wish I don't know how to crack the code, but I wish they made it affordable somehow. Yeah. But he's like, either you cut one by hand each time and you can make a smaller run, but it takes the amount of time it takes to listen to it, to cut it. Yeah. And it's just fucking retarded to do it that way. Or no press is going to spend the time or money on you unless you buy. Um So yep. uh with COVID, have you been writing? Have you been, have you, has your
1: so creative I, sense has been tingling? Oh yeah. I have a ton of stuff. Who knows where it'll end up. I uh was actually kind of writing a little bit with um one of the keyboardists from um, okay, And we, I thought we had a really cool song and he wrote some really cool vocals and recorded over it. And then it just never kind of came to fruition, you know? Uh, well,
0: it's hard because you can't get that momentum like you can yeah. get normally where it's like, okay, let's go play this somewhere. Or let's yeah. go, you know, record this somewhere. It's just like everything's you know? so clunky because yeah. it's just what's everything being shut down.
1: Yeah. So I recorded a bunch of stuff on GarageBand on my own and we'll see if maybe later down the line. It'll become songs for high beam, whatever, you know, so you ever do a solo type deal? Not really. Cause I can't sing. So yeah, it's kind of, yeah. unless I want to do an instrumental, you know, but I mean, still even that's hard to do, you know, I mean, yeah. I love I'm a big post rock fan as well, but you know, uh, it's hard to do on your own kind of yeah. thing. So yeah. buzz
0: Osborne from the Melvins. He's been going around doing a solo, like acoustic version of a lot yeah. of his stuff. And, I found that to be pretty fun because yeah. listening to acoustic Melvins is, is, mm-hmm. is, is pretty cool. It's different, but it's cool. Oh yeah. Um, what about playing live? Did, did, did any of these bands get to, I mean, was high beam touring much? Were they?
1: We didn't tour, but we had some really good opportunities uh locally playing um and, and I guess the furthest we got, we went to we played Sarasota. Yeah. Um they have some good a pretty decent scene down there. Yeah,
0: for sure. We played at Gators. Um You know Half Gun will travel and some of those oh, of guys course. from down that way. Yeah.
1: I don't know the guys, but I I know yeah. you know that's I, uh, their
0: yep. neck of the woods.
1: Yeah. Um so. what professionally, what do you do? So I'm actually a uh, government contractor, work over uh, at the base. Do you work with Dimitri too? I don't actually. Okay. We're, we're two different sides. Oh, I, work actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I work at um, a university that's part of the military for sure. the special ops guys on the base. And uh, I do actually video work and I do voiceovers for the university. So like curriculum, things like that, I will voice- a lot of the courseware that they want Um, it's
0: funny you can't sing but you do all this voiceover stuff it's like I can talk it but I can't (laughs) sing
1: it exactly Um, so yeah I do all that Uh, videos for professors if they want to kind of have a commercial to talk about what we're going to be doing at the university yeah very cool very cool
0: well I can't thank you enough for coming in Uh, you know I always love having musicians on and yours is definitely a band that I've enjoyed since Dimitri introduced me to it Um, you know I, I I think we have such a rich scene here and I, I I am hoping that with COVID that people kind of go more towards local music because, you know, they're not gonna have those national acts that they have touring around here anymore. So totally. once the the touring scene opens up, hopefully I can catch you guys live at some point.
1: Same Matt. Yeah. I hope it I hope it opens up soon. Well she's wearing the shirt from the last show I saw, which is Corridor. They they played at um Hooch and Hive with another band called Deeper. And oh, wow. It was, I think it was the same night as Gasparilla Music Fest was the last night. That was my
0: last show was Gasperil Music yeah, Fest. I went, yeah. I went
1: there Saturday and then Sunday I went to this show at Hooch and Hive and it was awesome, but you know, I didn't realize it was going to be my swan song for quite some time.
0: For sure. Yeah. There was yeah. a show this weekend at uh, Crowbar I wanted to go to but it was my son's birthday, but it's yeah. hard because even if you can go see live music, it's not the same vibe. You know, I was yeah. trying to. Throw a, I was supposed to throw a show on December 12th at Crowbar. Tom was going to give me space to have all the bands who had been on during the first year of the show to play. But most of them, just because what I listen to are heavier, harder, you know, punky, hardcore, that sort of stuff. And it's like, how do you sit down at a table and watch that? You know, yeah. it's just, it, it's, it's, I, I would still do it because I want to see live music, but totally. you, you lose, you lose a part of the whole experience there. I completely agree. Well, yeah. again, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, I wish you the me. best of luck. I can't wait to hear whatever new material. Hopefully if you put anything out this year, you'll come yeah. back on and we can talk about it. 100%. Thank you again for having me. Thank you, sir. And thank you for your uh, Rage Against the Machine poster. <laughs> as I, as I said, if you ever decide you want it back, I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome. <laughs>